Getting sober requires a lot more than mind over matter, a lot more than willpower. It's about leveraging the support around you. People in recovery typically need a mix of medical help, emotional support, and changes in lifestyle to manage their addiction, not just mental determination. As both a therapist and someone embracing the recovery lifestyle, there's one tool I always recommend to people needing extra accountability, Soberlink. Soberlink is a high-tech breath analyzer system designed to help you get and stay sober. And here's why I love it. You'll test the same day every day, eliminating testing anxiety. Friends and family receive instant test results, helping you rebuild trust and preventing relapse. Accountability is a part of that, and it's something to really be embraced. Devices have built-in facial recognition, so your support circle knows you're testing, and tamper-resistant sensors flag any attempts at trying to beat the system, so your sobriety is never questioned. So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's Soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterland, and I'm your host. And today I have a special episode Due to all that is going on in the world with the COVID-19 pandemic, Susie Wolfer reached out to me and asked if she could come on and share some of her wisdom about somatic experiencing and how to cope with a lot of the emotions that come with all of this uncertainty, the anxiety, the stress, the overwhelm. And I definitely said, yes, please come on. She was on a previous episode, episode number 53, The Body Remembers. And so you can definitely check out her old episode there. But in this episode, she walks me and herself through the process of dealing with some of these automatic fight, flight, and freeze responses that come up when we are under threat and how we can cope with them to help calm them and move to a place of easeful readiness, which is a term that Susie used and I really resonated with and really liked. But before we start, I have a favor to ask. I created a page on the Addicted Mind website, addictedmind.com hope where you can record your message of hope so that I can include them in the podcast for people out there who need to hear about some of the good things that are going on in the world, even during this difficult time. So you could share a poem, you could share a quote, you could share a story of witnessing a kind act, something that creates hope out there for others who maybe in the moment when they're listening are struggling to connect with feelings of hope and gratitude 
So if you'd like to do that and that's a fit for you, I'd really appreciate it. And I think a lot of people out there would also really appreciate it. So please do that. So let's go ahead and start our conversation with Susie Wolfer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. This is a special episode that I'm doing due to our current situation in the world and the pandemic and all that's going on with that, which leaves a lot of us with a lot of intense emotions and it can be difficult to cope. So my wonderful colleague, Susie Wolfar, who is on a previous episode, you guys can check it out, decided to come on and share some of her wisdom about emotion regulation and distress tolerance and somatic experiencing to cope with all of these feelings that this pandemic is bringing up, and I think all of us. So Susie, you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Oh, thank you so much, Dwayne. I'm just so delighted to be here, and thank you for all you do in the world. You know, one thing I've been noticing, I have an active caseload of about 45 clients, and one thing I'm noticing is that almost everybody is experiencing the signs of freeze, and sometimes along with that, anxiety. Right. And it's kind of a sad thing in a way that none of us got the handbook or the user's manual to our bodies. And there's some superpowers that we all have that allow us to move through this very scary time that come to us through millions of years of evolution. And I'd like to talk a bit about those superpowers today and how people can use them to move through this with a little bit more ease and maybe not so much freeze and fear. Oh, thank you so much, Susie. I think that's going to be beneficial to all of us. I know I have experienced a lot of anxiety and some of that freeze response too, as this thing is starting to unfold. So first, let's just talk a little bit about what, when you say freeze, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll maybe start with a story. I, all of my life, I've been afraid of dentists to the point where I've had to start taking Valium. Just the very thought or idea of that drill whining and the needle coming at me would put my body in freeze. And what I mean by that is my body would go rigid, I'd get numb, I'd feel ready to bolt. I had anxiety and anger, the terrible fear that they'd hit a nerve, and I'd feel this horrible pain. So it really motivated me to take good care of my teeth so I'd never have to go to the dentist. And what I realized after some of my training in somatic experiencing was that I did have these superpowers, fight, flight, and freeze. So when I was the last time I was at the dentist, when I knew about this stuff, I tried these things. And I'll be talking about these in a little bit too. I was sitting in the chair. The needle was coming at me. I felt this vice around my chest. My breathing got very, very shallow. My body went rigid. I could see my hands were turning white. Heart was racing. And my neck was so stiff, I could hardly even move it. These are all signs of pretty serious freeze. And so what I learned to do, I practiced this that day in the dentist chair, as I welcomed the feelings of freeze. Instead of the freeze state scaring me, I welcomed it because I understood what it was. It was a, like, for example, a wild animal's response to threat. So I welcomed it. I let it. I noticed it showing up in my body. This took a little courage, but I asked the dental assistant if she would hold my hand. <laughs> and she did. And it was so soothing. 
I think I had a death grip on her hand, but it really helped. And then when the procedure was done, this is a little bit embarrassing, but you know that when we're under threat, we have these three responses, fight, flight, and freeze. And so I like to use what we call the image channel. So I imagined if my body was a wild animal, what would it do to this other animal who was attacking me? And the image that came to my mind was I would have like a superpower fist and punch him in the face, knock him out cold, and then run away on my beautiful white mare with the long flowing mane and go to someplace safe. And then I would relax. And when I let myself have that kind of embarrassing imagery, I noticed my body started shaking. And I was actually sitting in the dentist chair doing that because they were out doing some procedure. And I just let my body do this very weird shaking that comes from the autonomic nervous system. And things started calming down. And then I got up from the chair, walked to my car, and it was the first time I'd ever been able to function after I was at a dental appointment. Wow. Yeah. So that really taught me that this is something that we can complete And that's the difference from managing anxiety and freeze. There's a way to complete it. This is an example of that. Okay. So let's talk about that process because I think for a lot of us, it's in a way when we start to feel this threat or this anxiety of all this unknown, we actually tense our bodies up, Mm -hmm. become tight and kind of try and hold it back. Exactly. And that is what you're describing is the freeze response. If you think about a wild animal, like where I live and work here, there's a five-mile stretch of forest along the creek. And I often see the deer down there. And when they see me, the new ones, they'll become stock still. And I remember one time I was looking at this deer and I looked away to look at a bird. And I looked back and the deer had disappeared. It literally I knew it didn't move. I searched for about five minutes until I saw it standing where it was in the original place. And this is why we call freeze a superpower. It allows us to literally be invisible by holding very, very still. And it turns out predators detect prey by carbon dioxide or exhalation. So that tendency to breathe very shallowly, hold very still and brace, keep our eyes down, keep a little hunched, are all things that wild animals do to be safe from threat. And what I think was a little bit scary to people is their bodies are doing these things without them realizing it. And I, you know, so many clients will say, well, I have all this time. Why can't I get anything done? I just feel like hunkering down. Right, right. Like you can't, when you're under this, I think this is so true for so many people, is that this is a threat that, I mean, it is a real threat. And a lot of people have not experienced this level of threat. And if they have trauma, then it might even heighten that experience as well. So yeah, I think that's true. These are emotions that a lot of people have never experienced before. Or maybe they have, but not to this intensity. Exactly. This is an existential, invisible threat. And, you know, you can't really fight it. You can't really outrun it. But what we can do is freeze. So our biology is invoking this very smart superpower to hunker down. But along with that comes the fear that, like, what if it gets to me? And that's the part we can do something about as well. I'm going to tell another story about a client who is a descendant of the Holocaust. And she would come to my office 
I have my friend in my office is all windows looking out on a beautiful forest. And I'd ask her to look around and tell me what she saw. And she'd literally say, all I see is danger. And so her experience as both a survivor of trauma currently, you know, in this lifetime, you might say, and from her 2,000 years of being, let's say, a religious minority that was threatened, made her have a chronic state of freeze. And after doing some of these techniques, she was finally able to come to the office one day and we looked around and she said, wow, I see trees. I see a gentle breeze. I think I even hear the sounds of a bird singing outside. When her system had learned how to complete freeze and let down into the, the state of actually what some people call easeful readiness. Easeful readiness. I love that term. Isn't that, it just makes you want to kind of sit back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember I was watching 60 Minutes on Sunday, and a couple weeks ago, actually, Scott Pelley was interviewing uh, someone, and you could see his eyes were red, like he was really scared and had maybe had been crying. And I felt that whole response in my body coming up again, tensing up, like starting to shake, getting really, really scared, like, oh, this is worse than I thought, if he looks that scared. So what you can do, what I can do, what we can do with our children, with our friends, you know, these are techniques we can do to respond. And if you do watch the news, you can practice this sort of more consciously. So I have some steps. If you, does that seem like a good time to play with that? I would love to hear that because what you're describing is exactly in many ways the way I've felt myself going through this process is that anxiety, that uncertainty, feeling that threat, and then locking that up in a way, and then feeling the fear. Yes. And you do, in a way, become paralyzed. It becomes a lot harder to work. You can't focus. You can be catastrophizing and trying to play out all the different scenarios of how to fight this thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be wonderful. I would love to hear it. Let's walk through it. I'll describe my own process and you can kind of describe yours as well. Okay. So I noticed that my upper body is a little stiff. My tricep and bicep muscles are flexed. The big muscles in my legs are kind of pulling in and back like I'm getting to run. And my breath is a little bit short. Right. That's similar. Like my, you know, as I've been sitting here, my experience is my stomach is tight. My arms are tight, right? My shoulders are definitely tight. I can feel like an intensity. Yeah. If we could run from the virus, we'd be preparing to get the heck out of here. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Right. Yet there's nowhere to run and they're telling us not to run. <laughs> right. So you're stuck with that response. Yes. So it creates an intersection or a double bind of, well, you know, it's like having the gas on and the brakes on. Right. Totally feel like that. Yeah. And everybody feels that way. And so the first step is going to be very counterintuitive. So let yourself notice those things and welcome them. Our initial response is to try to make them go away. This is so different to just say, Oh, body, I recognize your wisdom. You're trying to help me turn down the rheostat to reduce the scariness. Just that thought of knowing that these responses are from my own nervous system, I feel more relaxed. Yeah, it can be that fast. Yeah, I can feel that in my own body. Just as I sat with that and just kind of welcomed this flight response in, I can notice my shoulders getting a little bit lighter. 
my stomach getting a little bit lighter. And your shoulders are dropping. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And just welcoming that in and almost giving yourself permission that you're going to be okay to welcome that. Right. And the freeze response is the part where you feel all that bracing. Mm -hmm. So don't try to make it go away. Just feel it and notice it with curiosity to see what happens next. I think for me, it, you know, you said that, what did you say earlier? That easeful readiness? Easeful readiness. It kind of gives me like the ability to be ready. I don't know how to describe that. That's weird. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know what? I can be ready. <laughs> it's a deep felt sense that instead of looking for danger, it's kind of leaning back and the animal that is our body going, I'll just be present and see what happens. As you were doing that, I also noticed that I, my body just took a deep breath. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like it just took a deep breath and went, Yeah. <laughs> you know, like let it out. That is the equivalent in the user's guide for the human body. That's the equivalent of hitting the reset button. That autonomic breath, it's like we're being breathed instead of breathing it ourselves, is a sign that this waveform of, we call it deactivation, has happened. And things are just letting down and returning to okay, to being present. To being present. I think that's exactly right. The next part of this now is let your eyes go where they want to go in the outer world. So like you're following just simply the movement of your eyes and noticing where, where they're going. Where are they looking at? I'm looking out the window. And what do you see? I'm seeing the green grass and the sunlight. Nice. Hitting the grass and it looks really warm out there. <laughs> Does it? Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that we call this orienting to the present with the senses. As you look at the green grass and the sunshine out there, Notice how the animal that is your body responds to that. It's kind of looking forward to going out there <laughs> to go out and get in the sunshine for a little bit. Right. Yeah. It's a really different energy than vigilance. Yes. It's like orienting to pleasure. Yeah, definitely. And recognizing that. I can say it's subtle. It's not like there's this overwhelming shift and it's gone, but it's just a different, I feel like a little bit of a different state. Right. Even a 1% change toward ease is the beginning of a process. Right. Yeah. So it's a little bit at a time. A little bit. Right. It's like if you're going to you know, pave a road with bricks, you just lay down one brick at a time. And when that brick is there, then it paves the way for the next brick. And so you build a little pathway to safety, the sense of safety. Right. So you can do this repeatedly kind of over and over again, kind of being curious of your experience, recognizing that it's these fight or flight responses. And freeze. And freeze response, welcoming that in, right? Letting your body move through that, not trying to fight it, and then bringing yourself to the present through your senses and noticing the pleasurable things out there, like the warm sun or a picture, wherever you're at, noticing something that brings that to you. As you noticed, your body did this automatically. Yeah. You didn't have to look for the green grass and the sun. It just naturally went there because that's where well-being and ease is. Right. Yeah. So it's like trusting your body to be able to do this. Trusting, yes, but mostly noticing. Mostly noticing. Okay. 
Yeah. Okay. We don't really have to trust it. We just have to, it's been doing this for all of our lives, but we don't notice. That's a really good point. It's already there. <laughs> I think that, you know, not wanting to trust it is part of that uh, old script. Yeah, we need to manage the body because we can't, right. it's doing something wrong. Right. And there's one more piece of this. If you feel like you want to do one more thing, I love this next part. So this is kind of a four questions. So first of all, number one, are you safe right now? Yes or no? Yes. Many people who don't have the nervous system regulation that you do would say, no, I'm not safe. And if they say that, I completely validate that. And I ask the follow-up question, do you feel, is it that you don't feel safe or is it that you're actually not safe? Mm. And when I ask people to differentiate between the feeling of safety, which really none of us probably really feel safe right now, but the reality is that most of us are safe. So we'll just skip over that because you didn't have that. So the next question. But I think that's very important to understand that being able to ask that question to yourself of really looking, are you safe? And know that the difference between not feeling safe and being safe in reality. I think that's an important question to ask if someone's experiencing it different than I am. Because clients, especially clients that have had trauma, they have a perpetual state of never feeling safe. Right. And they don't notice when they are. So here's the next part of this is using your five senses, look around, hear, smell, taste, touch, things that indicate that your body is actually safe right now. Okay. Well, I'm here. I'm sitting. I'm present. I'm here in my office. I look around and I see a really thriving, healthy forest that's very reassuring. I see lots of things that are familiar. And I have to say, I see your face and it's very reassuring. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I was, that's funny because I was thinking the same thing. I was like, yes, well, I'm talking to you. <laughs> so I'm definitely safe. If we were wild animals in our herd, first thing we do is look at each other. Like, do you see something? Do you? See? And that's a normal mammalian response that we take safety cues from each other. Oh, wow. That's interesting too. Wow. That's why it's so important to turn off the news. Yes. Because when we look at the news, we're getting danger threat signals all the time. Yeah. And that can be so overwhelming. And then you're constantly mm -hmm. fighting that. And most of the time, you know, you only really need to look at the news occasionally. <laughs> right. You know, it, it doesn't change that fast. You just get the headlines. Yeah. Yeah. You just got to get the headlines. And so for the listeners that are practicing this at home, the next step is when you look around and notice the things that indicate that you're safe, then come bring your attention back inside again and notice how your body responds when you, your mind, your attention, and your body are aligned about actually being safe right now. Notice how that shows up in the body. Right, and being present with that. And yeah, noticing it. When I tune into that, I notice... I took, my breath came deep into my belly. I kind of leaned back in the chair a little bit. And I could feel my sits bones. And then my body kind of, I call it surrendering to gravity. It just kind of lets down. Yeah, I can experience that. I do feel just going through this process with you, my body settling. Mm. I wonder if you might take a moment and notice what are the signals of that? How is that showing up? I think my breathing is slower. I don't feel as much tension in my hands or my shoulders. I just feel a little more peaceful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And then if you're practicing this at home, this is where I love to ask clients if they take a moment and just savor that ship. And this is what I call it, saving it to the hard drive. It's like then it helps it wire when we notice it and then really take it in and enjoy it. It's kind of saving the wiring or the architecture for this ability to be here, to actually experience safety and to kind of let down. Right. So remembering this state so that you can come back to this state and know that this state is exists. That it's possible. That it's possible. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and by savoring it, you're, that brick analogy, you're just laying more bricks that paves a pathway to more capacity to do this without any kind of effort. Right, definitely. Well, thank you, Susie, for coming on and sharing this. I mean, I think this is so incredibly valuable for so many people who are feeling overwhelmed. Yeah, thank you. Well, I kind of want to do one last little piece, and that is what I think we can all learn from this coronavirus is to befriend our bodies, to listen and be curious. It's a weird question I've been asking clients. I ask them, what is better in your life in the last two weeks? And I've been getting some amazing answers, things from relationships, healing, jobs, completely changing to something more wonderful, people taking more time to reveal their bodies slow down, kind of reevaluate what's important to them. I think the virus can teach us how to become a student of our own bodies and listen and notice and then support in ways that allow it to do its job, which is to use a superpower called, in large part, what we're dealing with as a culture right now is freeze and impulses to use the flight response, but we can't do that. So it's like the gas and the brakes on. So we can all use these superpowers to move through life with a little bit more peace, a little more ease. And the other thing I'm seeing is this virus has created a greater sense of we, not uniformly everywhere, but I'm hearing from the ground, a lot of people are saying, I'm getting to know my neighbors. I'm taking more time with my kids. Even the ER doctors are saying, wow, we've never felt so aligned as a team before. So I think there's Perhaps another virus going around is the virus of being present, listening to our bodies, and using the millions of years of evolution to use these superpowers called fight, flight, and freeze. And that maybe a virus of loving kindness is also accompanying that. I think that's so true, Susie. I have seen the same thing and experienced the same thing. There has been a lot of amazing things that have come out of this experience and are coming out of this experience. So I'm, I'm right there with you. And we can all walk through this together and support each other and grow together through this experience, you know, as we go through it. I do think there will be difficult times ahead, but we can do it together and walk through this together. Mm-hmm. I so agree with you. Right. All right, Susie, thank you for coming on and doing this so quick. And for the Addicted Mind podcast listeners, I really appreciate it. And I appreciate it personally on a personal level and just a professional level too. So thank you so much. Thank you, Dwayne. You're so welcome. And thanks for all you're doing to make the world a better place. All right. Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. This will be on theaddictedmind.com. If you've found this episode useful, please share it 
on social media, share it with your friends, anywhere that it can help others who are struggling with some of these overwhelming feelings and emotions would be great. I'd really appreciate it. And I think it would help a lot of people. So thank you for listening. And until the next episode, take care. And yep, I'll talk to you then. It's easy to blame ourselves for our struggles with alcohol. We see people around us being able to control their drinking without any consequences, yet no matter what we try, we can't seem to figure it out for ourselves. My name is Jillian Teets, and I am the host of the Sober Powered Podcast, where I use my biochemistry background to explain the latest research in addiction and help you understand both why you drink the way you do and how to develop the skills and mindset you need to find freedom from alcohol. I discuss topics like why we think about our drinking 24-7, why we have no off switch, and why we crave alcohol. If you're struggling with your drinking or you know someone who is, then I hope that you will check out the Sober Powered Podcast. New episodes every Friday. See you there.